years back, a congregant suggested to me that the next time I go to Israel that I visit her brother. Now her brother was something of a media personality in a country where long before the biggest loser became a thing here, he was doing something very similar there. Inspired by his own transformation after undergoing a food plant change, he opened a spa in northern Israel to do the same for other people. Not long after, the Israeli media started reporting on people shedding masses of, massive amounts of weight. And after spending time with him, people who shed this weight were going off their high blood pressure medications, their diabetes medication, and their beta blockers. But in life, I've learned it's important to pay as much attention to the last part of the sentence as it is to the first part of the sentence. You see, I heard spa, and I didn't listen to the rest. On my arrival, I was introduced to a macrobiotic, raw, sugar-free, and vegetarian menu. And if that wasn't bad enough, it was caffeine-free. Needless to say, I had a rough stay. But over the course of that Shabbat, sitting at kibbutz-style long tables that force you to face each other and talk, I met people undergoing chemotherapy who vowed the diet made them stronger, people on psychiatric therapies who attested to it lessening their symptoms. Personally, it made me feel terrible, but that aside, it was an eye-opener for me to realizing that food being something much more than what we eat, and over the course of those meals where things, particularly Israeli style, get very personal very quickly. People asked me what I did for a living. And I told them. And they were surprised. And not once, not twice, but many times over that weekend, I heard people say to me, but you don't look like a rabbi. Because if you ask people to describe what a rabbi looks like, you know what you would get, which isn't what you're getting here. No beard, no hat, no black suit. And there are lots of ideas to draw from this, but this morning I want to deal with one, and one only. And that is the question of what exactly is authentic when it comes to religious, political, and philosophical questions, in other words, the only things that actually matter in life. The question of authenticity is actually the most powerful question. Because if you can claim that what you say or what you are is true and real and intended and authentic, then everyone else who is different from you are at best posers. At worst, they're traitors. That's why people use words like real Canadians, true Americans, as if there's only one kind of those things. This argument works over and over again as politicians line up to tell us what policies real Canadians support. And not to miss out on this, the commercial world isn't far behind because the consumer market or of brands is built on assuming that people like you and me will pay lots of extra money for certain things because they have a name because we believe that that name confers something authentic and valuable to the people who own them. So there are electric cars, and there are Teslas. There are cell phones, but there are iPhones. In a survey taken a few years ago, when asked the question, 
what would you fix first? Your car or your iPhone? 83% of the respondents say that they would direct their money first to fixing their iPhone. And when they were asked that if they were given a spare phone, not an iPhone, but a spare phone to use, two out of three of them still said they would fix their iPhone first. When Warren Buffett read that, he decided to buy 895 million shares of Apple that were worth $154 billion US as of market close on Friday. Because he knows the yearning and desire for something real, it's actually the yearning and desire for something meaningful. And when we are told that something is authentic, we're seduced into believing that it has some power to transform us into something better. And we need to understand that too, because real is seductive and authenticity is alluring. In a world filled with virtual this and that, we're starving for things that are real. It's true in love and romance, and it is true in life as a whole, even when it is destructive and hurtful to us. We are drawn like moths to a flame to something that is real. The words authentic and authenticity, by the way, are taken from the Greek word authentis, a word that defines someone who acts with authority. But in Greek mythology, it had another meaning. The word authentis was not only someone who acts with authority, but also a murderer, telling us that if you believe there is only one thing, one way to be authentic and real, that's kind of a killing too, isn't it? The Torah portion for this morning invited the kind of debate amongst the ancient rabbis as they also thought about real, authentic, and true. It's a debate worth listening to today. The opening words of the Torah portion seem simple, but as the philosopher Nietzsche once warned, simple truths are complex lies. In those words we heard this morning, that God spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. What problem could be found in those words? For those who even peripherally know biblical literature, know the expression of God speaking to Moses is so common, it's almost an echo. But for starters, this is the third book of the Torah, the third of five. The story of the Israelites leaving Egypt is told to us in the second book, in Sefer Shemot, the book of Exodus. It is also in that second book, in the book of Exodus, that we learn as soon as the Israelites leave Egypt, they are brought to Mount Sinai for a revelation, which is known in Jewish tradition as Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah. The problem is that God spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai in that second book, the book of Exodus. And this third book that we read this morning also tells us this as well. It's a problem which strikes to the heart of religious truth. Where and when do we hear God's word? Surely it was just after leaving Egypt, as the story tells us. And if that is true, what are we then to make of what we heard this morning in the third book, so many years removed after that exodus? It is a problem, a contradiction, which lays bare the belief in how we hear God, and by extension, God's word, 
and by extension, the foundation of our faith and religion, how they exist. It actually is the question of what is real and authentic. One answer is that yes, of course, all the Torah was heard and received by Moses on Sinai just after leaving Egypt, just like the story tells, just like it is in the movie. And just as the book of Exodus tells us, and the reference we heard this morning, is nothing more than just a convenient place to introduce a new law. But in no way should we ever think that the story shouldn't be taken literally, that Moses went to the top of Mount Sinai and came down with the Torah as we know it. But another answer doesn't ignore the God speaking to Moses from Sinai so long after it took place. And this answer says that what took place on Mount Sinai was a beginning, but it was not an end. That the story of what God has to say to us began on the windswept mountaintop in the heart of the Sinai Desert, but the story of what that means is a continual and ongoing project. Do you ever wonder why there are different denominations in Judaism? Orthodox, Reform, Conservative, others too? That is because this is the ground zero of what separates Jewish communities. There are those who believe God's message happened all in one moment, and there are those who believe that it unfolded section by section, law by law, moment by moment. One sees Jewish law as homogenous and unchanging, the other as the product of time and circumstance. I suspect you probably know which answer I favor. But theology and politics and consumerism aside, the question of authenticity is really about who you are. As in, how can you, how can you be what you're meant to be? And what's most real about you? And what do you want people to love of you? One of the things that we can learn is what a young Vincent van Gogh once wrote to his brother. He wrote, someone has a great fire in his soul, but the people who pass him by only see a little smoke at the top of the chimney. Because in life, things and people are not what they see. There are academics who lack wisdom and parking lot attendants who are scholars. By the way, it actually happened in Israel. Decades ago, in the boxes of a recently deceased parking lot attendant in Tel Aviv, his children found piles of handwritten commentaries on a classic rabbinic work. Today, it was printed and it is praised and studied to this very day in Jewish schools. There's the nice guy neighbor who later is found out to be a criminal and a homeless person who finds a lost wallet and returns it untouched. Or people who look at someone who think what a rabbi should look like and someone who doesn't. Which is just a way of saying what people think or judge to be more authentic than others. But with time, I've come to believe that maybe the truer thing in being authentic is that authentic is not a fact, it's a metaphor. In a Jewish sense, it is a metaphor of not what you are in this moment, but like the story of how God gave his word to the Jewish people. We happen slowly. We are something that searches to be. And if you are that, consider yourself authentic. For to be human is the act of becoming something.
the last book the survivor and Nobel Prize laureate Elie Wiesel wrote was a short reflection after having major heart surgery. It surveys his long and painful life starting with the loss of his home in Hungary, his Jewish community in Siget, the death of his father and mother and little sister who were all murdered at Auschwitz. And at the very end he asks, what does it mean when Jews speak of the coming of the Messiah? Will it be that the whole world would become perfect? That the whole world would become a Jewish world? And Wiesel says that when we pray and speak of the coming of the Messiah, we pray not for a perfect world or for a Jewish world. We pray for a more human world. And every day that should be our wish. We should want to be more human. Shabbat Shalom.